Hey, this is Heather from the media team at Word Alive. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week, we're talking about how making God the center of your life will make everything else fall into place. Enjoy this message. They talk in the last... uh several weeks. Uh, Probably this is our fifth week now on the big picture and talking about when church works, church actually works. And we've been hopefully laying a foundation as we move into 2017, how we can engage together in church activity to see the purposes and plans of God fulfilled. The first week we started, of course, our first board over here on the big picture, we talked about a 10-1 serve one. We talked about the importance of worshiping God, of course, in corporate worship, but we also talked about the importance of serving as you heard about volunteerism today. And of course, all these are online. Uh, week two, back over here in the corner, we talked about leadership roles. We talked about elders and deacons, idea and word folks, and then, of course, hand and application people that works, if you will. And there's a place for everybody. Talked about maturing. And then we also talked about then when we, when we do this together, when everybody finds their place in the body of Christ and we share the load, supernatural things happen and God can actually multiply our efforts and see great things happen in the kingdom. The third week, we talked about a three-pronged vision. We talked about 5,000 worshipers having an influence in the spiritual realm a thousand houses of light, being those people that dispel darkness in our in our territory, and then a million dollars a year giving away to missions. And we got pretty excited when we realized that these weren't man-made visions, but these were visions that God had gave us, and God had spoken to us supernatural. That's a great one to see. You allowed me to skip uh, to skip ahead last week and move to five, and I'll hit four today. But we talked about fivefold ministry: the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor, and how that basically a Western traditional mentality is one man leading, but a real biblical mentality is a team of leaders and that they're not above everybody they're actually beneath everybody the root if you will of grace these great gifts causing the tree to grow and how important it was to be planted in the house of God and by the way Pavan Mudiam helped me and he did a great job last week and so we're really proud of Pavan and really excited he left Friday for Nepal and uh, so his dad's here on the front row and Asai, and we're excited about how God's going to use Pavan in the nation of Nepal. So today uh, we're going to talk about number four. So I appreciate the guys helping me and they've been a great help, of course, and Sandy, the artist that ha- kind of helps draw these things out and these guys that help build the props, we really appreciate them. And we're going to get started on number four today, catch back that, and then we'll have two more and then we'll be finished. Thank you, guys. Got it okay there? Thank you, Dean. (laughs) Scary part again. Dean, would you hold this? I just feel better. Thank you. We're going to talk today about four core areas, four core areas that we function. Let me go ahead. Dean, while I got you, just hold on to me, will you? I'm going right here. <laughs> we're going to talk about worship, and we're, going to, and, and we're going to talk about equipping two Ps, right? Coming down the road, Dean. We're going to talk about houses of light. Thank you, Dean. And we're going to talk about Project 58 or missions. 
four core areas. Anybody here juggle? It's a lost art. Uh, pardon? Try to juggle your money. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I've asked, since I figured there was nobody here that would either, either juggle or admit to juggling in front of everybody, I've asked Chris, one of our musicians, to help me. Chris, would you come out and help me this morning? This is Chris Crutchfield. Love Chris. And uh, I asked Chris if he could juggle this morning when, I, when we were talking in the back, and he was pretty impressive. So we'll, we'll, we'll get you started there and, and see what he can do. That's pretty impressive. So now keep it going again. I'm going to throw you a fourth one. Well, let's try it again. Okay. This is hard for me. Let's go one more time. Here's the point we want to make to you. I, way to go, Chris. Most everybody can do one. A lot of people can do two. Only special people like Chris can do three. But hardly anybody can do four. It almost takes a professional to do that, kind of, do that kind of juggling. What's interesting is when you're trying to juggle some things and you throw an extra thing in, not only do you drop the extra thing, but normally you drop the other stuff as well. And so in our life as believers, we're all trying to juggle life. We're trying to juggle careers, family, spiritual life, finances, health, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And how many of you will just admit when you start trying to juggle too many things that what happens is not only does the extra stuff fall by the wayside, but also the important stuff falls by the wayside as well. And so we realize and understand that even as a church, we have to prioritize. We can't do everything. There's a lot of great things that can be done, but we can't do everything as a church. We only have to focus on what God has actually instructed us to do. And so hence our four core areas or core values as a church are important for me to communicate to you, but then also to help you, how can you engage with that? First of all, it's important to us weekend worship. We've just experienced that. To, the, to us, that's about presence. Because we believe the most important thing in our lives is the presence of God. And I don't know of any other way than to enter God's presence than through corporate worship or private worship. But more importantly for me, corporate worship. I'm the pastor and I have to come. But I also enjoy coming because I know when I get together with you guys and we start worshiping the Lord, we actually enter his presence together. Psalm 100 says something like this. Uh, let's see, it says... Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. We got that scripture up? Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Next. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. Somebody say presence. Come before his presence with singing. So worship's not just the first part we do in a service, you know, just to get ready for the preaching. It's probably the most important part that we do. Because as we worship together, we come before the Lord with singing, we enter his presence. Why is his presence important? Because in God's presence, he can do things for us that we can't do for ourselves. It's in God's presence that in a moment of time when the Spirit of God is moving and we're connecting to the to the maker of the universe, if you will, he can do supernatural things in our lives. 
take us places that we can't get on our own. Uh, I'm enjoying this part, part of my life because I have four wonderful grandchildren, and they're amazing, and I love getting to spend time with them. And recently, the youngest one is a, a little boy. I talked to you about him a couple of weeks ago. I had this experience with him, and I just thought it was uh, just so fitting when he talked about the presence of God. I was hanging out, and I was really busy, and so I just jumped by the house just to pop in and say hello, right? And then I had many other things, important things. Right, that I needed to take care of. And so I knew I didn't have time to hang out, but I had time to say, hey. So I just ran in and said, hey, and I was headed toward the door, and he ran and grabbed my legs and laid his head on my knee. Then he lifted his hands up. I'm like, Phew. I pick him up. He kisses me right in the mouth and lays his hand on my shoulder. Well, you know what happened to me? We were on the gator and we were riding, buddy. And we were, we were seeing chickens and horses and we were riding around. The next thing you know, two hours, I'm taking him all over this property, sorting things he's never seen before. I'm getting phone calls. Hey, where are you at? You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. But what happened? He grabbed my heart in that moment of intimacy and I took him places that that little fella could have never gone on his own because he grabbed a hold of me. And after that experience, the Lord said, Kent, that's what I'm like. If you'll just grab hold of me, kiss me, lay your head on me, I'll take you places you never dreamed you could go without me because of this place of intimacy and worship. And so we believe that. We, are, we, we love purpose, but we'd rather say we're presence-driven. Not just purpose driven. We love the presence of God here. We, we will throw everything away for the presence of God. We'll, do it, we'll throw our messages and sermons, our agenda, our timeline for the presence of God. Important for us. But also we realize that equipping saints is important for us because not only is it about presence, it's about power. God wants to empower saints for the work of ministry. This is Ephesians 4.11. says something like this. It says he, he actually equips saints for the work of ministry or for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. We realize that the biblical understanding is for every saint to be equipped with God's power. You know, I just talk about things that I see, but like Dean, you know, who, who actually manufactured this board for me. When I see Dean, you know, three years ago when I met Dean, he was an alcoholic and just really struggling. And now what's exciting is not only has he been touched by the presence of God and no longer struggles, but he's been equipped. That same Dean that was struggling three years ago is now one of our top dream interpreters that you tell him a dream and he can interpret. He has a gift of God that got manifested and equipped now. And now he's ministering to people, not just in the church, but people outside the church. Can you dream with me a minute? What would happen if everybody here really got equipped? In other words, you really found out what your niche was and you really begin to move in it. That's when the body, it says, begins to grow itself. Man, it's going to be exciting around here. And so this equipping process is freedom track. I talked about that earlier, which is very important. But kingdom culture, which is coming online in March, is very, very important. We, all, we already have the theology of leadership and then the art of leadership. So we have a process here at Word Alive that's designed to carry people through the process of being equipped so you are a well-able minister yourself of the gospel to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. So touch three or four people around you say, you're going to be a minister. Tell them, you're going to be a minister. Of course, not only that, but well, also what's important to us is houses of light. 
Houses of Light is the way we connect as community. This is outside this weekly local expression. This is, this is when we open up our homes through the new moon or Rosh Kadesh, the, the biblical new month, and we get into each other's homes and we connect on a very intimate level. You know, it's one thing sitting around here around worship and being equipped. You know, there's some connection. But man, you start sitting around eating chicken. Come on, somebody. You get some chicken flowing and some apple pie. Come on now. You get them fried apple pie going. Come on. You can get some fellowship going. And we, there's something about eating together that's spiritual. Jesus turned the temple to a table. And then the interesting, when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't go back to the temple. He went to the table. He went to where they were gathered in communion. And what we've realized is if we will get into fellowship with one another, one another the Lord loves that kind of fellowship. And the Lord will slip right into our homes and begin to fellowship with us. And when the Lord slips in, supernatural things begin to transpire in our lives. Now this is powerful for us because we believe we're called to have a thousand houses of light all over this territory where the Spirit of God is evident when people get together in fellowship. 1 John 1, I think it is, 5 through 7 says, This is the message which we've heard from him, and we declare you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Bam. Is that more? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Jesus healed my eyes. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, come on, we have fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. Fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, there's a place of transparency that comes in what we call community here at Word Alive. Any of us can act right on Sunday. I mean, I ain't hold it together for an hour. But if I get with you and get with you in your home for a couple hours and we start eating and hanging around, sooner or later you're going to find out the cray-cray part of me. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Because everybody here has got some cray-cray in them. So touch your neighbor and say, I know you got some cray-cray. Tell them, I know. And it don't take long. I mean, you get fellowshipping in the light, and that cray-cray comes out, and you're like, man, I, I knew you were a little cray-cray. But, we, but, but cray cray don't scare us here at Word Alive because we know everybody got a little cray cray and your cray cray ain't my cray cray. But when, but when will you cray cray, I'm strong. Where I cray cray, you strong. And then you get our cray cray together and you get the Lord in that mix. He starts sorting out all this cray cray among us and we become a community. Come on, somebody. A community of strong believers that the Lord is moving in our life, bringing deep, intimate fellowship one with another. I believe that in this season of the world that we're living in, this may be one of the most important aspects of the kingdom of God. We're going to have to have strong relational understanding in this season to move together in the spirit. We're going to have to live like Revelations 12 that says, that, that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimonies, love not their lives unto death. That kind of committed fellowship. So we're looking for the houses of light to be a significant part of what we do and how we function here at Word Alive. Last but not least, Project 58 and missions. What is that? Well, of course, we, we, feel like we feel called to supply clean water around the world, food around the world, deal with social injustice, and we believe serving the poor is one of the most significant things that you can do as the body of Christ. In actuality, we believe it's the only non-negotiable with Jesus. That was a non-negotiable with Jesus to consider the poor.
If you read the scriptures, and I've studied them thoroughly, you, you'll see a very clear picture that Jesus is, is non-negotiable when it comes to taking care of the poor. In Luke 16, it says something like this. There was a guy who was rich, fared sumptuously, a guy that didn't have very much sitting outside of his gate, and he didn't consider him and didn't take care of him as a, because he was poor. He dies, and there's a gulf between him and God. I don't understand it, but it's just what the scripture, scripture says. You know, I was okay with God killing people in the Old Testament. But when God slipped over and started killing people in the New Testament, that put a whole other fear of the Lord in me. And I don't understand all of it, but I do know this. I'm not sure it's natural. I'm not sure it's a natural thing, but probably more of a regret. Because it says when that guy died, there was this huge regret in his life. And I believe maybe that's some of that awakening when we die, that there could be a huge regret, regret that we didn't do what we were supposed to do. Some say what you do here on earth will actually translate to in heaven. So whatever you did the most of here, you'll be doing the most of there. What kind of attitudes you dealt with here, you'll deal with, deal with there. I've always been taught when everybody gets there, everybody's going to be perfect. But some of us may have to go to school. Come on. Some of us may have to sit in the river of life and clean up a while. But there's something to it. I mean, if you go on through the Gospels, there was a place where it says that uh, a guy built bigger barns to hold more stuff. And God came and said, you fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. And the big one, Matthew 25, here's the biggie coming at the coming drum roll right here. You know, this is Jesus who said something like this. He said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. And they're saying, Lord, when did we do this? He said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you are actually doing it to me. And this is the end where he says, the, some on the right and some on the left and enter into the kingdom and some didn't get to enter the kingdom. And it was simply based on a non-negotiable thing of serving the poor. We believe to be a local church, according to a biblical pattern, serving the poor is a non-negotiable with us. And it's based on Isaiah 58 that says, is this not the fast I've chosen, right? The fast I've chosen is to undo heavy burdens and to loose people from injustice and to feed the hungry and to share your bread with the poor and to share your clothes with those that are naked. And it says, when you do, Isaiah says, your light shall shine forth brightly. I will be your rear guard. You'll be like a well-watered garden. And there's just many, many blessings that come out of Isaiah 58, hence the name Project 58. And so these are our core values. We believe that if we can get people worshiping in the presence of God, that's all about presence. Equipping people, what's that? That's all about power. Houses of light, community, it's all about people. And in missions, it's all about passion. Because we believe Jesus is passionate about the poor. And we realize that if we can just do these things as a church, we'll have to focus because there will be some things that we can't do that might even be good things if we want to stay true to what we feel God has called us to do. Now, how does this apply to your life? Well, for you to be a part of this, these four core areas as well, I understand you will have to prioritize your life. You will have to make some decisions based on a prior, something of priority so that you too can function or flow as somebody that's called to be a part of this. And when you just look at it, it's probably pretty simple. It's really probably all about time and money. Because that's something that we all deal with. 
We're always trying to figure out how we got enough time. We're always trying to figure out how, how we got enough money. That's most of everybody I know or engage with. Somehow, some way, it all comes down to time or money, which determines do they get to do the will of God? Do they get to go on missions trips? Do they get to fund their vision or their purpose? It's all about time or money. And so I think I find a lot of us always trying to juggle, right, as we saw in the beginning, our priorities. And so I was going to come give you this big old message today about getting your priorities in order. I even thought about laying a little guilt on you. No, I'm just teasing. I wouldn't do that. But I, was, I started looking at how can I communicate to you. And I started looking at time management. I started looking at all these things, trying to study. And honestly, it just, the more I study, it's like, Lord, I just don't feel any juice on this, you know, because I mean, I just don't think it works because we're, you know, it's, it's like no matter how hard I try personally, I can't navigate my life. No matter how hard I try to prioritize, because as soon as I feel like I got all the balls juggled, then something comes out of nowhere, it's unexpected, and throws me into this other place. And so it's, it's, it, it, I might get it going for a little while, but then all of a sudden something, you know, jumps up, and and, and I, you got more than you can juggle. And I felt like the Lord inspired me, and He said, "Can't you know I planned life that way so that people would realize you can't do life without me. You just can't do life. The whole world doesn't work without me." In me, you live and move and have your being. And so I said, Lord, will speak to me about this. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost spoke to me yesterday. He said, Ken, it's all in one verse. And he took me to Matthew 6, You know what it says? It says something like this. Seek the kingdom of God first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me read you Luke 12 too because it's very inspiring. He actually says not just what to seek. He tells you what not to seek. Look at Luke 12. And do not seek. Somebody say do not seek. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after and your father knows that you have need of these things. This is so powerful to me. God's saying, look, I know you need these things. I know that you've got things in your life, and I know you need things, but don't seek these things as the Gentiles do. Don't be of an anxious mind trying to figure out how you're going to juggle your life and make it work. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm going to look up this word, seek first the kingdom. Now, my brother would be proud of me because I went all into the Greek. What? (laughs) And the word first, this got me. The word first in Greek is the Greek word proton. Now, this really got me. And the definition of proton, can we put this up? The definition of proton is first in time, place, order, or importance. Now, I only went to high school and I only have a high school education. Fortunately, I went to Oxford. So now as I travel around the world and people say, where were you educated? I say Oxford. And they're like, man, you're one of those smart guys. I'm like, yes, I am. And so... (laughs) 
So I don't understand a lot about science, but fortunately, my friend Simudim is an engineer. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Come on now. So I called Cy up yesterday afternoon. I said, Cy, tell me about this proton stuff. And Cy goes, oh, well, I can't do his Indian accent. But Cy got all excited. He said, man, the Lord downloaded all this stuff to me about proton just a couple years ago. I've got the notes. He said, I'll send you some. And Cy sent me this. And Cy began to explain to me proton, and I got on fire. He told me proton is the center of an atom. And the atom is what holds everything in the world together. And the proton is a charged particle in the nuclear or the center of center of the of the atom that has a positive charge. And that what happens is this outward layer of electrons Without a proton, they're just running everywhere with no design, no rhythm, or, or, or no attraction. But as soon as the proton, that positive charge comes into being, all those electrons, it becomes like a magnetic field, draws them, and they just begin circling in perfect order. And now that atom begins to function perfectly because the first in place, time, or order of importance got set there. Then everything else worked around it. I thought, my God, this ain't fake. This is science that seek the kingdom of God first and all these things shall be added unto you. Woo! Man, I got fired up. So then I, it's like the Lord started talking to me. He said, you know, Kent, you don't have to spend your whole life juggling. You don't even have to try to prioritize these things. If you just get the proton right. You just get hold of the source. You don't have to spend your life trying to juggle everything. You just hold on to the one thing. Come. You just hold on to the one thing, the proton, the first, the kingdom of God, that which cannot be moved, that which cannot be shaken, that which was before anything ever was, that which created everything we enjoy. You hold on to this. God said this just like me. He said, Kent, you can juggle your own life or you can get a hold of me and I will juggle your life for you. Woo! Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. Woo! Come on now. Man, that wasn't part of my presentation. I just got excited. Man, this just exploded inside of me. I've always wondered, why does this, what does this mean? Seek God first. When we put God as the first, most important, first of place, first of time, the most important thing to me, God orders the rest of my life. I don't have to spend my life trying to figure out how to manage my family and career and, and all that. God will order my steps supernaturally with his grace and with his favor. And so what does that look like for us? It's giving God the first. Honoring God first. So what does that look like? Well, we can start it from every day all the way through the year. What is it? Every morning. Give God the first part. As a staff, we started, we, we went on a 21-day prayer, and it got so good, we just kept doing it. And, we, and we, we decided as a staff, we would take the first hour, we'd come in an hour early and take the first hour and pray. And we found ourselves over the last couple of weeks, things we were busy trying to juggle and fix, that it wasn't working. But as soon as we started seeking God first... 
It's like God just started ordering everything else. And now favor and, and answers and clarity and stuff just started unfolding because we gave God first. Now, I don't know about you, but look, I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to get it right. But a lot of mornings, that first thing I do is I grab that cell phone. Excuse me, Bev. Don't, no more for the amen corner. I'm just saying, that's, Bev, I bind you up in the name of Jesus. No. Want to see what's happening, right? But in reality, that's not good, right? Bev, I'm going to have to go get you set with Danny here in a minute now if you get that. It's, it's, it's not good. Because we've got to get to where we, it doesn't take long, 10, 15 minutes of meditation, scripture, just saying, God, look, I, it was a scripture that acknowledge God in all your ways, and he shall direct your paths, right? And so if we just get that part right, God, I just acknowledge you today, wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, I trust you're going to order my day for me so that I have plenty of time and money to do everything you need me to do today. But then weekly, worship becomes a priority. That yes, you may have had a really busy week, but Lord, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship with the other believers because I trust as I do this first, then everything else is going to be, I, I'm going to even slip into equipping class because I want to be empowered by, and I'm going to give you of my time first. Monthly, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to invite you into my house. And I'm going to have a meal with my friends and my family. And I'm going to give you the first of each month, Lord. Lord, I'm going to give you the first also of my tithe and my first fruits offering. And then annually, I'm going to honor you around the feast. And so my whole life is going to be aligned to God firsts. That whole first is powerful because Romans 11 says, if the first bit is holy, the rest is holy. And so what happens is we move into this place of honoring God first, grabbing hold, if you will, to the proton. I was looking for my balls and I threw them all away. Grabbing hold to the proton first, or the first being the proton, the creator, God himself, everything begins to flow supernaturally. Now what happens? Anxiety has to leave. Because I am no longer in control of my life. I'm simply connected to the source who is in control of everything. And now anxiety and worry and all these things are moved out of my life because when I seek the kingdom of God first, all these things are added unto me. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to move and we're going to give you an opportunity to move in the first fruits giving but I want to encourage you about one more thing Jesus said when you pray when you fast when you give God who sees you in secret will reward you in the open probably most of us always all do a little bit of praying and probably a smaller portion of us are givers and then probably a less portion of us are fasting or fasters Yet Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, something happens. Cornelius in Acts 10 was praying, fasting, and giving. It says when he did, an angel showed up in his house. I'd call that a breakthrough. Yes. 
and a whole nation was impacted because at the same time he was praying and fasting, an apostle named Peter was on top of Simon the Tanner's house who got a vision that the gospel was also for the Gentiles, and a whole nation was open for the gospel by one man who was praying, fasting, and giving. So we were excited about where we're at, that we've been praying. And today, I'm going to encourage you to give in a first fruits offering in just a moment, along with your tithe as we do each month. And by the way, it's powerful. I met a couple this uh, Wednesday night who came out to church. They may even be here this morning. Megan and Harold, I believe it was their name. And they, were, they came up to me and they said, we just want to hug your neck and gave me a big hug. And they said, you know, six months ago, we didn't want anything to do with God. We just thought church was hokey, that it wasn't for us and probably wasn't even re any reality, anything of reality to it. And they said, but if by the end of the year, we'd found our lives in a mess. She's a nurse. He's an uh, EMT, works with the emergency squad. Our, our lives were just out of control. And so we got up one morning. We thought, let's try that word alive thing. And so they showed up. And she said, what was interesting is you were preaching and teaching about first fruits. And she said, of course, we didn't believe in church or God, but we definitely didn't do the offering thing. She said, but what I was impressed by is there was no back, no, no, no uh, plates passed or anything. You just talked about this first fruit thing, and you said something like this. You said, just try it. Why don't you just give a first hour's wage, maybe, whatever you make hourly. Give an hour to the Lord. She thought, what do I got to lose? She said, I put a, a check in the offering to, for the first hour of my wage. She said, on Wednesday of that week, I got called into the office, and they gave me a $10 an hour raise. She said, I called my husband. She said, there's something to this first fruits deal. Since then, Jesus has introduced himself to them. Since then, they're in freedom track. Since then, they tell me Wednesday night, it's not we don't want, we can't wait to get to church to worship with you guys because God is reorganizing our entire life. What is that? Put God first and watch God. And I promise you, I bet anybody here could testify to the fact when you got in a mess, because I've done it, when I've gotten in a mess, it's because I quit putting God first. If you just put him first, it seems like everything will work. So we've talked about prayer and giving, but we're going to do a fast. We're going to start tonight after the Super Bowl. Because we got wings and things, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so we, we don't get carried away with this thing now. We got to get to Super Bowl. We're going to start a fast. And we're fasting for breakthrough. Anybody here need a breakthrough? We're fasting for breakthrough. And, and so I want to encourage you that in a moment we're going to move in first fruits giving together. But then we're going to fast. And we're saying and it might be financially, maybe physically, maybe in your marriage, maybe in the relations, maybe with your children. Whatever, God, you believe in, we're going to say, God, we're going to sanctify 2017 with a fast. We're going to give you a first portion of it, if you will. And say, God, we're going to fast saying we desire you and your word more than our necessary food. You know, when you fast, it gets God's attention. Why? He's serious about it. And, and I really believe, so what kind of fast, however you want to do. Some, of, some will fast technology, some will fast totally, just drink water, some will drink juice, some will do no, you know, no 
no dainties, no sweets, no that kind of stuff. Whatever God leads you in, let God talk to you about that. But it's just the focus. And we're saying, God, this month of Shabbat, we don't want to miss it because this is the month where we shout our blessings on the way. And the wagons of supply are coming to us. And we really believe that there's been some struggles in some people's lives that this fast is going to snap the power of the enemy off some people's lives. And people are going to find a way to flourish once again in the body of Christ in these next few days. So as we pray and fast and give, we're believing God to do something supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And so in just a moment, we're going to ask you to move in first fruits giving. We're going to blow the shofar over our over our. our offerings and then we're going to release a sound and then we're going to declare the word of God. Now why is that? My engineer friend Cy says these, how does these protons stay charged? It's with the neutrons and they call it the power force. Strong force. Science terminology. Strong force. You see I believe, well you say what is that strong force? I believe it's the word of God. Because you see, the Bible says that when there was chaos and nothing moving, God said, let there be light. And whew, there was light. Right? In Hebrews, 3, Hebrews 11, 3, it says, we know that the world was made by that thing which we cannot see, which is the word of God. And we believe as we declare the word of God out loud, just like God spoke and it was done, as we give declaration that God uses his word and causes these things to begin to function properly and move forward in our lives. But just before we do that, this happened first service, and I believe it's so appropriate here. All of this in a nutshell is about being free from anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. But let all things through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, not peace from God, the peace of God. Now, I don't know if, if you ever experienced that peace. How many of you know God's not in heaven going, oh, myself? <laughs> the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And may I go on to a deeper level? Our nation is in chaos. And this is so important for us, the body of Christ, to come in alignment with God and stand in our nation because out of chaos will come creativity. Just like God spoke into chaos and created things, there will come, a, if we will stand right now, God will turn this chaos into creativity or creativity. Am I saying that right? Creativity. And something supernatural can happen in our nation. It's not time to give up and quit on our nation. We're in a very significant time. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves fasting and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. So, so this isn't just a cold water blessing. We're saying for our whole nation, we believe it's an important time to do what we're doing today. A lot of anxiety in our nation. A lot of anxiety in people. But before we move today, we wanted to take this opportunity to allow you to get that deliverance. I really believe there's somebody here today suffering with anxiety. Maybe you're just having anxious, lots of anxious thoughts. Maybe it's even so bad you're having to start taking medication for it. Maybe it's even full bore panic attacks. I've experienced them. I understand the dread of that. 
But I'm telling you, there's power in the name of Jesus to get you set free today. So before we go any further, you're here and you say, Kent, that's just speaking right to me. Man, I'm racked with anxiety, and I would love to get free of that before I leave today. Would you just pop up, stand up right there where you are. Just stand it right there where you are. Just stand. That's right. This is very important. Just stand right there. This is very important. God's going to do something supernaturally in this moment of time. Thank you, Lord. Just stand right there where you are. God's going to do something very important in this moment of time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're a believer and you're around that, that person, just reach over and touch him for me, will you? Just reach, just reach your hand out in faith and just let's just touch. Make sure everybody's got, some, everybody's got somebody touching them. So don't let anybody be standing that doesn't have somebody put their hands on them. Just touching them. Just Because we believe in the power of touch. We're going to be talking about that next week. Father, we stand in agreement right now together as the body of Christ. And Lord, I know the dreaded pain of anxiety and the torment of it. And Lord, I thank you that right now you're coming by your precious Holy Spirit and you're reaching deep into these people's lives and you're removing the root of anxiety. Lord, I thank you that right now the fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of failure, fear of lack, fear of disappointment, all these deep-seated fears, you said perfect love cast out all fear. I thank you now that the true love of God by the Holy Spirit fills our hearts even now in this moment of time. And now in the name of Jesus, that root of anxiety, I speak to it now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I command you to break now in Jesus' name. I thank you for the angels that gather that now reach into the people's souls and pluck out that tear of anxiety now in the name of Jesus Christ. We say life and peace and shalom to you now. Right now, the peace of God that passes all understanding covers your heart and your mind, and now the peace of God floods your very soul. We say, you spirit of anxiety, we break your power now now and we thank you now for the peace of God being established at the center of their souls and now joy peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost the kingdom comes now inside of you and all anxiety is moved away in Jesus name amen come on let's praise God a minute Woo! come on beautiful powerful powerful moment in the spirit I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv. If you're ready for your next step, you can attend Freedom Track either on campus or through our online courses. Have a great week.